our special guest. Would you mind introducing yourself to us? It'll be a pleasure. Hi, everybody. I'm Natasha coming to you live-ish from the beautiful islands of the Bahamas. <laughs> um, go Bahamas. Go team, go. Yeah, so um, about my life, yeah. I did my undergrad in Miami. Did my master's in Georgia and then lived in Orlando for a year and then moved to Dubai for three years, China for two years. And now I'm back home, my lovely little island, Daniel Key, helping my mom with her business while building my own baby mind pro travel, promoting humanity through cultural awareness. Yes, your empire. You're about to get the empire. Exactly. I love empire. Yes, yes. it's coming. An empire for anti-racism. Yes. Entire empire for that. So what you're doing now is so juicy for the time that we're in because there's a real need for that. I know earlier we were speaking, I was telling you how on LinkedIn there's like all sorts of, you know, cultural managers and diversity and inclusion, HR spots opening up, and they're all Black people suddenly, you know? Um, even um, in football, you know, the first African-American president of football team, the Washington team, is, is a Black guy. And that, that's great, you know? That's, I mean, accolades to us, right? Like, we're winning. It's sort of a winning season for us, but there's still that large gap of, you know, how do you deal with diversity and inclusion? You know, how do you kind of get with the tide of the times and figure out how to, you know, get in where you fit in and help out, you know, and, and improve yeah. in cultural relations and things like that. So you're in a sweet yeah. spot. Can you tell us about your business? Yeah, sure I can. Well, first I want to talk about exactly what you said about that diversity and inclusion. And you're right that like, it's just popping up everywhere. They're like, oh my gosh. Like, and the own, my thing is when it relates to that, it's like, I agree with you hundred percent where it's like, I'm so happy this is happening. First president, so many DEI people that get jobs now. So many other, you know, little black people popping up in positions that there weren't any in the future, in, in the past. Hopefully there'll be more in the future. The thing about that is if you hire a DEI person, make sure it's not that you're hiring them for a performative reason. Like, it's not like, hey, Bob, this is, you know, whomsoever, and we're going to hire Natasia because we want to make, we want to be able to put that in a press release that we have been working on this. People's why, especially as it relates to this, is so important because if you don't really care, if it's like, let me do this so my marketing looks good versus let me do this because people die on a daily basis. Let me do this because yeah. people are suffering. Let me do this because 400 years is a really long time. Yeah. If that's not your why, then as a company, I, I really think that you're doing more harm than good yeah. to, to do that, to like get into that. Because like, if you're not passionate about it, if you don't seriously want to invest in it, because like, if you hire a diversity and inclusion person to come in and it's like, can you come in and make a really nice statement for us? And then like, you know, I don't know, go yeah. whatever you do other than that. And then just leave it there and nobody's like checking in, like talking to managers, talking to employees, figuring out how the employees feel. Do they feel like they're in an inclusive space? Is microaggressions an issue? Doing surveys with people to really understand the culture of the yeah. company and how that affects the culture of the people that you are employing. If you're not going that extra step, don't do it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's performative. It's, it doesn't make any sense. So if you have a desire, no matter whether you're big or small either, because, you know, some small companies feel like, well, I only have three employees, DEI doesn't matter. Guess what? You want clients and you sell soap. So you need to understand what black skin is like so that you can better support that 
um, yeah. you know, that group of people, because I'm not going to buy oh shampoo. Let's talk shampoo because we talked about natural hair. I'm not going to buy shampoo if it's not going to like do something with my moisture. Yep. It's not going to allow a slip in my hair. Yep. And if you don't understand that, you'll never be, I'll never buy your product because it'll never be for me. So you guys will think that, oh, I, it doesn't matter to me. If you want to increase your market share, you should serve more people, which means you should understand them and care about what they care about because that's, you know, that's the way you do it to grow your business. And that is a free entrepreneur tip of the day. <laughs> Love it. So what are some of the main issues that you encounter whenever you have a client? Like, what are some of their biggest issues that they want you to come in and try to help them solve? Well, you know, I think the biggest issue now, why you see so many DEI positions opening and like people calling in for workshops and stuff is because awareness is a bigger, is a, is a really huge issue. You know, like people, it's, it's amazing the lack of knowledge mm -hmm. and in and like the non-BIPOC culture as it relates to us like microaggressions for example I do a lot of talking about microaggressions if you don't know what a microaggression is it's basically like uh, you can it can be something that you say or even like an action or a body movement that is like negative towards a culture and fun fact it can actually be a compliment I'll give you an example when I worked in Dubai I worked at the front desk, right? So I had like so many clients coming in from Europe and they'd be like, oh my God, Natasha, that was such a great check-in. Like, I feel so comfortable. And you articulated it perfectly. Oh my gosh, Natasha, your English is amazing. Wow, Natasha, the way that you speak English. Oh my gosh, bellissimo, bellissimo. And, you know, at the time I was ignorant too. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like put that in the TripAdvisor comment. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's fine. And it's not until I realized that the reason that they're like complimenting my articulation is because it wasn't an expectation for them for me to be articulate in the first place. Because especially being it that I was in Dubai, Dubai is a little bit closer to Africa than it is to the Bahamas, right? So people are expecting me to have that, you know, African accent. Another fun fact, there's no such thing as an African accent because Africa is a continent that has different exactly. countries. That speak exactly. different languages. Yeah. There you have it. Like a, there's French speaking mm -hmm. African countries. Mm -hmm. There's English speaking African countries. Mm -hmm. So as you would imagine, people don't have the same accent. New Yorkers and people from Texas don't even have the same accent. So you can't put an accent on an entire continent. Just a fun fact. So yeah. So so I had that happen to me all the time. And like once I realized it, I was like, I wonder what else people do. And then there's the, the microaggressions that are, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, whereas it's not a positive thing, it's a negative thing. Going back to my hair. I was, what I, I transitioned from the front desk to HR. So while I was in HR, we did like brand new guidelines. I was working in a five-star hotel, so guidelines are like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. So when they implemented these guidelines, I had people come up to me like, Natasha, did you see the guideline book? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of edited it. You know, I kind of work in HR. So they're like, um, did you see page seven? It talks about your hair. And I'm like, yep, totally read that. And they're like, um, I don't think your hair is brand standard. And I'm like, um, actually it is. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a picture of a woman in there and she had a ponytail. She's like, yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, let me explain this to you. A ponytail is when you put your hair up use some type of, you know, band or something and put it like in one thing on the, on the top, middle or back of your head. That is what a yeah. ponytail is. Now, the fact that my ponytail defies gravity and yours doesn't is another thing that you're gonna have to talk to God about because that's just nature. That's just how it works. I'm sorry. But don't tell me that my hair is 
unprofessional and not brand standard and then come at me like, oh, you work in HR, you should know better when you should know better that everybody's hair just is not the same. There are some blondes, there are some brunettes, there are some people that hair sticks up, there's some people that hair goes down, there's some people that hair is flat, there's some people that hair is thick, but you know, and that's like, like I said, that's a learning curve because even some of my clients have that, like that issue where they didn't realize that. So when I'm telling them these stories, like you ladies are like nodding your head, like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. And when I tell my clients, yes. When I tell my clients, they're like, I never thought of that. And even like the little things like, oh, can I touch your hair? Can I touch your hair? You know, because they thought that that was like appropriate in a way where it's like, oh, I love it. You're gorgeous. This is gorgeous. Your hair is gorgeous. I think you're just so beautiful. But I just, you know, I just have to, I have to explain these things to them. And you see them like, it's as if I just explained, you know, the, the big bang theory or something like that, or like a brand, like big bang theory times two, because yeah. they're, they just don't know. And what that helps me with is like, you know, there are some diversity people, there are some like social justice people, which like, you know, everybody has a different personality. Everybody has a different way that they go about their job. I am very empathetic naturally. So when my clients come to me, I don't come to them with the, listen, you white person, your people did this to me. You're not going on 10. No, I'm not. Because guess what? If I go on 10, you know what? They're going to be defensive. You know what they're going to learn? Very little. Yep, exactly. That's the way I see it. So when I come to them and I'm like, okay, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me. They call my hair unprofessional. What do you think about that? Why do you think this? Da, 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 da. And I let them answer their own questions and have their own moment of enlightenment. Like, oh, snap. I really like put that person in a box when I ask them, like, where are you really from? Because that's not nice to say. Exactly. And you understand that, but you would be surprised how, like, you know, it's like, like eye opening it is for some people. So, yeah, like I said, that awareness is definitely something. Awareness about microaggressions, awareness about racial bias. And then the other thing is, you know, like, if I was learning something, like, okay, I'll give you another example. Natasia is from the Bahamas. I'm going to be, like, super transparent right now. It's not going to be okay for everybody. But in the Bahamas, the LGBTQ plus community is not, the Bahamas is not a fan as a country. Yeah, culturally. I know that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Culturally. Yeah. So I grew up with like, you know, with songs that literally say kill gay people, literally, Mm -hmm. literally translate to that. And I'm not talking about one or two, I'm talking about like 10 or 12 hit songs. So this is what I've been being fed all my life until I moved to Miami. If anybody's been to Miami, it's pretty open. And that was the first time I ever met a transvestite. Mm -hmm. And that transvestite was in a group with me. And that transvestite I had to go to group meetings with. And at first, I'm not gonna lie, I was uncomfortable. And I got to know them as a human being, not as a transvestite person, but as a human person to person. I got to learn their personality. I got to learn their work ethic. I got got Mm. to learn that they like the same things I like. Like, hello, white chocolate macchiato at Starbucks? Yes. You know what I mean? And because of those interactions, like, I don't, I I feel like I have, I'm like uh, an accomplice, you know, like in allyship, we talk about like the ally, the accomplice and the Uh co-conspirator, but that would have never happened had I not exposed myself, had I not become aware, I would have still been in that like closed-minded, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, all of the things that they say in the songs. So in the same way, I said that to say that my clients, Mm -hmm. I realized that they have a similar thing, whereas society is telling them something that's where like the whole white privilege thing comes in which is an entire episode in and of itself but they have to come to that place of awareness 
to be able to understand like oh this is this is the this is why i shouldn't do this this is why this is so painful for me to do this is why i need to talk about this and then that discomfort that comes with that because it's not easy right when you have somebody coming to you say um ma'am i don't know if you know this but you can drive if you drive for a thousand miles and i drive for a thousand miles the likelihood that i will get pulled over and you won't is extremely high no matter what even if you're the one with the drugs and also <laughs> yeah no that that is facts and they like that like i said that realization is uncomfortable you know what i mean to know that you have that privilege because white people didn't ask for privilege eh, eh. white people the some white people the ones that want to be allies that i work with they didn't ask, well nobody asked for privilege you know what i mean even when it comes to me being able to walk and then a person that was born disabled i didn't ask for that mm -hmm. but you have to know how to handle yourself and how to support that other community when you have those types of privileges. So walking them through white privilege and like the things that I go through, which are normalized, which they will never mm -hmm. go through. Like they never will have to talk to their child when they get a license, like, listen, honey, when a police officer stops you, make sure that you put your both hands on the wheel, make sure you follow everything he says, make sure you say, yes, sir. If it's a lady, you say, yes, ma'am. You don't have to have that conversation. You don't have to go through so many other little stupid things. Like when you go into a store, somebody's gonna follow you around no matter what. If you go into like a jewelry store or something and it has nothing to do with the fact that you know that you that they saw you in an in the news as a theft as a thief it's all because you're black mm -hmm. because you're black and because yeah. you're black you are branded as a possible thief so that's my long spiel as you so, guys i'm really passionate about this so i'm just gonna stop now i guess i can tell no, i love, love it, it. We no love it. i love it because i feel like we a lot of people have um experiences that they could use as a testimony um of any if of any difference basically and you're right society does teach a lot of the norms that we have and one of the things that i remember i brought up in the diversity meeting was what's the point of having this meeting if we know that we're going to turn around and the truth is you don't have to be a black person you don't have to be a gay person you're going to go out there and still be that same successful white doctor or whoever you are and never have to worry about these things. So why should you care about a diversity meeting or any of those things? How would you say there should, there should be like a thirst created so that people would want to learn more things about other cultures rather than just their own? Can you repeat the first part of the question? Because it was good. So, so if, um, if you're meeting someone and they are absolutely resistant because mm all they known is what they've known and they don't mm -hmm. have to worry about moving forward from these meetings. They don't have to worry about going outside and having to worry about these things. How do you create a thirst for somebody to have basically need to learn these things so that society could be maybe a little bit safer or something like that? Yes. I, I hope think, that makes sense. <laughs> no, it totally, it totally makes sense. That's what I thought you said, but I just wanted to make sure because I don't want to be like, Natasha goes off on a tangent and doesn't answer the question, but I think like for me, and like I said, you're gonna hear something different from every single person. But for me, I love to communicate through stories because I can come in like, for example, if I go to a diversity meeting, right? And then I'm like, hello guys, let me explain microaggressions to you. Microaggressions are bad because of this. And this is the reason microaggressions are bad. And these, this is the way that it affects the black community. This is the way that it affects mental health. Okay, thank you, have a great day. They don't have any type of emotional connection to that thing that's happening they're like okay that sucks well i don't do that carry on my day they're not going to even look deeper because they're like oh i'm not a racist period bye 
But when you, when you make something personal for someone, because we all can connect that level. All of us have been rejected at some point in our life. All of us had, have failed at some point in our life. So when I talk to people, like the story I told you guys about um, my hair, they may never go through that. But that realization that it happens and that they will never go through that is what will make their heart. Because, you know, like change happens. If change doesn't happen in the heart and it's only in the head, it will not last. It will not. It will not last. You know what I mean? Even for me, I'm going to tell you a very stupid example. Yesterday, I watched Nat Geo Wild. Right? I love Nat Geo and Wild. Really, girl, that's like a horror story for animals for me. I was impressed. So I was watching it and it was like, and now the crab is walking under the water and there's a little black fish coming and the little black fish is, is the predator for the crab. And then today I saw a crab and because I watched that, I've seen crabs. I, and then I was just like, oh my God, you poor person. You know, like those fish be attacking you. I didn't even know because you know, crabs, it's like this particular type of crab, they have birds eat them and fish eat them so like whether they're out of the water or in the water being attacked and you see how passionate i am because i'm like i i never cared like i see a crab it's a crab like i, I don't roll over it because i'm kind but it's just like i don't care but now when i see crabs i think about that story that that crab went and i'm like dang homie you got it you got it from up down everybody just trying to eat yeah. you just trying to eat yourself some algae bro like that's all you want that's all you want so so yeah, so that's why I think like, and having, making it an emotional connection, because maybe, I don't know if you guys have watched the YouTube channel, kind of a side note, but not a side note at all. There is a, there is a, a TEDx about a guy that, a black man that went to a KKK meeting, and then basically, I've seen that, I watched it, and it is so good, and I love because how he told that story, it was so much tension built up. Because clearly, at the end, like, you find out, I mean, they're, like, great friends. They go to his house for dinner, and you're just kind of like, what? But, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Sorry, you, should, you need to watch this. It, I've watched yeah. it twice, actually. Thank My good. husband watched I it. I do. It was good. good. Yo, and that's basically, like, basically that is the case study for what I was just talking about. Like, I used my crab story. I could have literally just said, did you watch that TEDx? Because it's the same thing. Like, because that that KKK person was so far removed from like the like what was happening to the black community because of him. He was so far for, removed from that because when he's where he's going, he's being indoctrined with something. And just like the the world and like let's talk about America right now because of what's going on, but like there is indoctrine. It's not as it's not like, hello everybody, good morning, be a racist today. You know, black people, we don't really care about them. They are second citizens, but yeah. it's happening like there are so many underlying things that scream that. So, you know, like, that's why, like, it, it's, it's not like every person is a KKK, but, like, in the same way that it, that guy from the KKK was, like, indoctrined with certain things, and it took a relationship, a connection, a heart movement to change his mind. Number one, it took that to change his mind. And number two, it did. Means that that's the way I think that, you know, that, that people that are, like, I'd never would be, like, know what I understand. Yeah, you know, we're, um, Aisha and I, we're both veterans, and I know that even when we first joined, which is not like a super far off long ago, but even when we first joined, you know, I know you mentioned the hair story, you know, we've encountered issues 
with our hair and even like just a few years ago, i've been in seven years um you know from when i first joined you couldn't have i think it was like you could have like maybe like a like a set amount of braids in your hair and your hair could only be but so big each braid had to be a certain length and a certain width and you know you black uh, if I do 10 cornrows in my head, I may have a leave out. If she does 10 cornrows in her head, they may be like two inches a piece. If you do, you know, and so then we were constantly out of regulation and things like that. Wow. I even had an instructor um, and she, I think she probably forgot about me, but I remember her. She's my hero. She actually got in trouble and left the military because she had dreads. She's had them for years. She, you know, was deployed and everything and fought for her country. And she happened to move to a base where they noticed the bulkiness of her hair. And it was always in a neat bud. It actually met regulations and everything. And she fought tooth and nail to stay in. But they kicked her out because she was not in standards and just happened to later that year change the whole standards for, you know, for hair for all women in the military, um, well, in the Navy. And so I was like, mm-hmm. that is bogus. So you mean tell me it took, it took to the one person to make you realize, wait a second, they don't all have silky strands of hair. Oh my God. What that you can throw in a bun. That you can just so throw that, in a bun. That's like, that's one of those stories like that you were just talking about that we can relate to though. Cause like I can relate to that because I experienced something like that. Um, where you can really get in, we could really get in trouble. Even a black person in the military told me that my afro looked like I. What did he say? It was just an afro, and it was picked. It was nice. It was nice. He said that I looked like I touched a socket, and that I needed to secure my hair. A black man did that in the military, and he had been in for so long. But that's how they taught him. And you can get your whole career lost because of that. And so. Like you were telling the story, I remember that story. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's necessary that we have to go through things or that we have to experience pain for change to happen? To be honest, that's a very good question, let me just say. To be honest, I think that the pain that has been experienced, like I don't think that we, as in me and you and people in this generation, need to experience any. years of pain mind you most people will tell you like yeah but it's less pain now like you guys aren't getting whipped and you know you guys aren't having nooses around your neck and stuff like that but there's just a different type of noose you know what I mean like like you were like you were talking about the job market girl when you brought that up I was like listen (laughs) everybody listening did you know that for job applicants what as far as it goes for you to get an interview People with names like Natasia and Aisha, you know, more, I guess, ethnic, for lack of a better term in this moment, names are less likely to be interviewed than somebody with a name like Mary or Joseph, just because your name is ethnic. And on top of that, the the ratio of interviews, and you know, the interview is basically where you show your worth, right? The interview is where they make that decision. So if you don't even get in the, you don't even get in the door because of your name. So even, even a white girl named like Bonquisha would not get the job because they would associate the name Bonquisha with, oh, she's ghetto. Like my dad, like, oh, she's ghetto. Like a lot of times when I used to go into meetings and stuff and I was working, people like, I'll show up and people will be like, oh, like they're shocked by my quote, quote, professionalism because of my name. So that is a whole thing in and of itself. And like, like the ratio as it relates to black to white is also another thing where there is more 
there's a, a higher likelihood for white people to get to the injury process than a black person. Statistics change all the time, but you know, it's, it's a lot more, which is sad. So just to go back to your question, I don't think that we need to, I don't need, I don't think there needs to be any more pain. I think now it's time for like, it's reaping season. We have been sowing in blood, sweat, tears, and death for long enough. Now I think it's time for people to really open their eyes because when slavery was abolished, people were like, oh, okay, well, you know, there you go, enjoy that. But then there's different types of slavery. Unemployment is a type of slavery. Incarceration is a type of slavery. You know what I mean? So I think that we don't need to suffer anymore. Yeah. Just to be, because we're not trying to be the kings of the world, Yanni. Like, we're not trying to be like, okay, we are the black, the BIPOC community. Everybody serve us, come lick our toes. We want equality. That's all we're fighting for. It's draining to have to fight to be equal when we're all equal as human beings. You're fighting for something that you should already have. So no, no more pain. Just I, I think that um, also for, it is reaping season. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a, a mindset shift that needs to happen within Definitely. not only the African-American community, but any community of color that's been, you know, persecuted and just limited for such a long time. The mind shift I believe needs to happen is having a mind to receive openly. You know what I mean? Because we can't be like, we've been suffering and suffering. It's almost like trauma. When you're so used to being yeah. a victim for such a long time, it could... it could be you know it could be different you know to finally be in the position of you know of reciprocation it's almost like like it could be exhausting i saw one of your youtube um videos that it's exhausting to be black it's true but now we have to kind of shift our mind and be like okay now i'm on the receiving end now how do i receive i need to have an attitude of receiving i can't have that Mm -hmm. constant wall but i mean it creates a certain ptsd if your ancestors Mm -hmm. have suffered and it changes you down to your dna before you even born your dna is already skewed because of the suffering so now that's right girls rethink season because you know we won't get that blessing if we can't receive if we're not fertile so if we're constantly on the Defensive. We have to keep our mind open. It's kind of like, I love how you said that, you know, you communicate through stories with change, you know, that will help even just listen to you help me as a black person. But you know what, you're right. There are people that are in, you know, white privilege that don't even realize that that's something that they've been cultivated to think, cultivate to act, cultivate to respond to something like they're in, in their environment. And so we need to all have like that shift of, okay, let's receive because even though we're receiving, we got to be fair, too. We can't be, okay, I've been the victim. Yes. Lick my toes. I win. Yes. You know, Beyonce said, black is king. Stop. There you Stop go. Stop it. We, yes. we got to be equal mm-hmm. here. Because if we're going to be equal, it's got to go both ways. It's got to go both ways. Go yes. ahead. You teach class, so girl. I, I was going to say, so I guess the pain, the type of pain that I'm thinking about is similar to labor pain. Mm. So... Anytime, anytime a change has to happen or something, girl, you know I'm about to go in, Sabrina. Throw some memories, girl. Prepare your hearts. Okay. I'm prepped. Pre- I'm prepped. Prepare your hearts. Okay. So when you go through labor pains, it's something that you have to go through to get that baby out. Something that's been growing and growing and growing, it has to come out. This is, like you said, something that's been going on for a long time. The type of pain that I think I'm thinking about is the type of pain of change. Because right now we're at a point where people are very resistant, which kind of makes it hard. Black people are angry. People who are in the LGBT community are angry. People who are of any type of 
you know, had their backs against the wall and have been mistreated. Um, on a personal, we're, everybody's tired and angry. And rethink season is the perfect, perfect, perfect term for this because I even brought it all the way down to me and her have been in the mental health field for 10 years. And we've met a lot of people who have been victims of all kinds of things, um, sexual assault, abuse, all kinds of things. So I guess in my brain, she knows how I am. I like to, I like to like make it a personalized thing um, because I'm trying to think about how I would talk to somebody to get them emotionally. Um, if a person has gone through something, even on a smaller scale, rethink season, there has to be another way of attacking this issue that we have. There's mm -hmm. got to be another way because the way that we've been doing it is wrong. The way I've been trying to express myself because all the pain I'm in is wrong. So we need options now. And you sound like the perfect person I would come to if I'm looking for options of how I would be able to handle these types of things. Because we're tired of saying, oh yeah, they're just going to be racist or they're just going to be, what did you say? Well, how do you say it? Manager, when the managers are doing their thing. Because I had that at my job. Micromanage, not micromanage. Microaggression. A lot of that is going on at the workplace. And that's actually something I just got let go recently from. And um, all I'm thinking about is that's going to continue at that job right now and i wish there were things i could have said i wish there were things that i could have done but it felt like i did everything i could have said and, and done so you're our person to go to and i love that you're doing this yeah, i think it's girl. awesome you do y'all you know, i have so many things man like i have so many things i want to say but about the part about the microaggressions i am so hurt to the core that you lost your job because of that and i'm so hurt for you because you're my sister now. i didn't leave i got let go yeah I got and I'm hurt for that, and I'm also hurt <laughs> for the fact that that's not something that's like, oh, this is so far-fetched. Wow, this happened. It happens all the time. Like, microaggressions are like, they are the silent killers, and you know, you were talking about mental health, and then you guys were talking about, you know, like, all of this trauma. Microaggressions are one of the major ways that this trauma comes in, because if somebody is telling me, like, no, you're not pretty. 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 Guess what, Natasha? You are not pretty. Your hair is unprofessional. Your hair is unprofessional, which makes you unprofessional because you and your hair are one. You're unprofessional. You're unprofessional. You are so... Did I tell you you're unprofessional lately? It starts to take a toll on you. And then what, what happens? Imposter syndrome. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough for this. I don't know if I can do this. And all of that, like microaggressions show them, show up in so many other ways. And in the, in the workplace, oh my God. Microaggressions in the workplace, it's like, it's so normalized because there was no awareness of what it was. So we just like, even me, I would just like throw it off. You know what I mean? But it wasn't until even me, like as a black person, but like the awareness factor is not just for white people. We need to become aware too. So that awareness of what was going on with me and like how it affects me mentally and oh, wow, I didn't notice. But, you know, people kept telling me this about my skin color or this about my hair. And it, it, so for some people, depending on your personality type, like if somebody tells you like your hair is unprofessional, your hair is unprofessional, your hair is unprofessional, maybe like I would have turned to, oh my God, you know what? Let me go and start wearing weaves and all of this stuff. And I would not be my authentic self, wouldn't show up as my authentic self. And that would go into a whole other thing. You ladies know. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir now. Know <laughs> you are. Look, girl, girl, I know people who have had to perm their hair because they want to keep their yep. job. I've gotten pulled to the side. Matter of fact, it was, it was two chiefs. And for those who know about military rank, chiefs are high up. And 
I was way lower and I was on the way to, my, I was walking to my job and I got stopped and I got pulled to an office. It was this white chief that he told me, you need to do something with that. And I looked around and I said, what do you mean, chief? What is that? I'm thinking it's something on my uniform. He's like, no, that, your hair, you need to do something about it. I had it in two plaits with like my little fro puff out. You know what I mean? I could still put my my cover on, everything was fine, I could still put my safety gear on. Like it was not, it was flat, it wasn't bothering nobody. And in the corner, the black chief, he was feeling me and he was kind of seeing that I was not gonna respond in a very proper navy mm -hmm. way. And he was shaking mm -hmm. his head and he was looking, he's like, hey man, you might want to calm down. And then the white chief got angry. He said, No, she needs to fix that because she's out of regs. Do you see was first of all you called my hair in that? And my defense mechanism is to kind of get buck. You know what I mean? But on the inside, I was hurt because I'm like, you call yep. my hair that, but that is attached to me. So you're taking the humanity out of me. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, what do you mean that? So I'm about to just, I'm about to lose my job that day. And she said, hey, I got it. Don't worry. You're fine, shipmate. Going about your business. And then I got yeah. mad at him. So I'm like, did you know this was going to happen to me? Because I don't care about the rank, but we're the same skin color. Why did you let this happen to me? So then I kind of felt betrayed a little bit. Because I'm like, you knew what he was going to talk to me about. But then I figured maybe he didn't know it was going to go down like that. Maybe. Yeah. I don't I don't know. But by the way, I was, I, think I was like maybe 19 or 20. And I was so angry. I'm like, what do you mean that? Like, who? And, you know, they hide. Mm -hmm. Microaggressions hide so well behind regulations. Uh, and behind ooh. rules. Girl, listen, you talk, are you a diversity and inclusion expert? Because that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens, to be honest. That's why there has to be like systemic change and institutionalized change. Because if we do everything on the ground level and like nothing changed there, it'll just be the same thing. Like, it'll be like me speaking to the choir and the choir is like, you sound good. And then like a few months later, they're like, do you have any other songs? Because this yeah! whole racism thing is like, it's old now. Yes, and we and it is. I know you have the challenge of keeping that relevancy even after we are out of COVID. We yeah. got a vaccine, and then we're gonna be back to normal, and then all of all the races will just go away. Yeah, but it won't. Yep. No, but you know it's so sad. It's already happened because George Floyd was too long ago for some people. Like, if you notice, obviously I notice these things because I like follow hashtags and stuff that relate to racial yeah. justice and equality and stuff like that. So like. After the George Floyd incident, like within that first month, like the content was overwhelming. Those people have since died off because the news died off. The news doesn't really care about anything anymore until somebody else dies. And actually other people have died since George Floyd, fun fact. But people that it wasn't in the news, so no news, nobody cares, nobody posts, nobody brings awareness, nobody like, you know, goes out and even the book sales, you know, there are so many books that so many good great books about anti-racism and stuff like that those have started to like slowly drop off as it relates to the, the buying frequency and stuff like that so it's just like i just i hope that i hope that the the true and authentic allies outnumber the performative ones and that is on an individual level as well as on a corporate level because if you are just a performative ally and it's just like, look at me, I love black people, I'm great. And then you really don't care. Like it's, it, it's so worthless that you just shouldn't do it. And I, you know, cancel culture is something that people are like here or there about. The only, the, the thing that I don't disagree with about cancel culture is because if there wasn't a cancel culture, then people wouldn't be like 
like cancel culture brings a level of like fear for lack of a better word but yeah. like because now if if i see that the what is that what is that thing called the bachelor if i now see that oh my god the bachelor look how people are like not interested in the bachelor anymore because they are doing like this performative allyship thing so like we're not going to watch the bachelor because guess what that affects money guess what businesses care about money so if that was I love <laughs> No seriously if that wasn't if that didn't happen then they wouldn't care they'd be like oh we got like a thousand black a thousand emails from black people saying that they know that we're performative delete them spam them move on but now it's affecting their bottom line so if it wasn't affected their bottom line, then it wouldn't affected change within their thought process. That's my spiel. I love it. You know, Killer Mike made a um, Killer Mike made a speech in Atlanta a few months ago, and then he did an interview after it. And what I love that he mentioned in their interview because it was about protests and stuff, and he said basically, let's just see what happens six months from now. He's like, it's what, he's like, that's what really, what it comes down to is that, yeah, we're doing all this stuff now and it's great to be involved now. It's great to do social movements now, but where you at in six months? Yep. That's, yeah. that's the reality of it. Because, you know, like, um, like, like just going back to right after George Floyd, if you did something like if you wore the Black Lives Matters t-shirt or if you posted like, hey, I'm on, I'm like protesting in Santa Monica right now, then like people have been like liking your picture, like, yeah, go, this is great, keep doing that. You're not going to get that applause in December, baby. I'm sorry. So it's up to you to like yeah. make sure, that's why I keep saying that the why is so important because if you don't have that internal reason and it's all about the external, you have, you have like nothing, you have no cup to hold that water in. So it's just going to like fall through your hands like slowly but surely and then it's going to dry up and then you're going to be back to saying that people's hair is unprofessional and stuff you know what i mean you can be like, I, um, i'm looking forward <laughs> how can people get in touch with you or find out more about what you're doing sure thing so i am on facebook and ig at mind fro travel yes that is fro like hair mind like your mind fro travel and on YouTube, for those people that want to learn more about like what microaggressions are and systemic racism and how it affects us, I'm actually doing a free e-course. YouTube.com forward slash C for creator forward slash Mind Pro Travel. And I look forward to connecting with you.